Welcome to the Sick and Successful Podcast. If you're a business owner, work in corporate, or have a side hustle you're passionate about, you're gonna wanna stick around. Because I promise to ask the tough questions and talk about the things others shy away from. You know, what it's really like to own a business and be chronically ill. I'm gonna give you that push you need towards following your dreams and be the friend you come back to week after week to talk about the real things in life and in business. If you have goals and are working towards them, if you're determined to be successful, no matter what life's obstacles get in the way, this podcast is for you. Dream big and tune in. Welcome back to the Sick and Successful podcast. Some of you might know that I decided to take a break from October to December with interviews, but we have a special guest today that made me want to interview, made me want to break the break, (laughs) and I'm so excited to bring her to you. Her name is Maria, and she, oh my gosh, the list of accolades, I heard about her from a colleague and had to have her on the show. So Maria, why don't you introduce yourself? Oh, thank you so much for having me. My name is Maria Desmondi, and I am a publisher of children's picture books. So I started off in the classroom as a teacher a couple decades ago. It feels, yes, a couple decades ago and taught for some time. And then I wrote a book called Spaghetti and a Hot Dog Bun because in the classroom, I realized I really wanted to be able to reach, broach a couple really big topics with my um, students, topics about, you know, self-esteem and courage. And the books that I was finding to be able to model this to them had animals and teddy bears and dinosaurs. And I thought, gosh, our kids really should have books that have real kids in them so that they can relate to the character and they can see themselves within the book. So I wrote that first book, Spaghetti and a Hot Dog Bun. And I realized that through speaking and through selling books and writing books, I could actually Um, make more than I was making as a full-time teacher. So I resigned from teaching and continued to write. So I wrote 10 books. And along that journey, I realized that I really, I really wanted to help other people, individuals, other writers get their stories out into the world. So I started a publishing company in 2016. So that's kind of my short story of the journey. And it's such a special publishing company too, right? Because the books that you take on, so I've been creeping for a while. I'm actually writing a children's book. So like, I'm obsessed with you. <laughs> I listen to your podcast and or to, to the podcast that you did on Christina's podcast. And yeah, I, I'm just obsessed. But the publishing company, the kids book company that you have, it's all kids books with actual humans in it, right? Yeah. So Cardinal Rule Press, we are very niche, they say, because we only take on realistic fiction. So that idea that, um, you know, I had when I was a classroom teacher in 2006, it's really just stuck with me that I just want to keep producing books where kids can see themselves within those pages. Yeah, that's so special. And what makes you kind of stick to that since like for all... If you're watching on YouTube, Maria's showing us all her books behind her. Some of them, yeah. (laughs) Some of them, some of them. Are those all books that you've published behind you as well? Uh, No, no. Those are just, that's our family collection of books. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Because I was like, that is a lot of books. But that's awesome. What has made you stick to that premise of only realistic children's books? Well, it's interesting because there is another publishing company called Lee and Lowe and every other year, they do a baseline survey where they are, you know, digging deep into what is out there in the market. And they have found that the number of diverse picture books is extremely low. 
And so I'm trying to help bring that statistic change and disrupt yes. that. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. I, the, the children's book that I'm writing is called your uh, mommy's tummy hurts. And I've been doing some research and I cannot find literally one children's book about Crohn's disease or about chronic illness, really. Like it is so hard. And as a mom with a chronic illness, like that impacts my day to day. It's interesting to see, you know, disability, one thing, but I, I bet you so many other people deal with the same thing where it's like, I want to explain this to my kid in a way that makes sense. But how am I going to do that without a kid's book, right? It's a beautiful way of doing it. And I'm going to write down to follow up with you afterwards because I have another person I who has written a book about her migraines, um, a children's picture book about that, just because it's disrupted her life in so many ways. And she wanted to be able to have something to share with other children and other families so that they can say, this is why mommy's lying in a room for hours in the dark, because this is what the migraine's doing. Yeah. Yeah. Writing this book has just been such an eye-opening process to me because it's called Mommy's Tummy Hurts, but the tummy in my head is written like with pencil and the book you can replace tummy with anything, with any chronic illness. And so it's been so special to me reading it when my daughter's listening. She's only two, but there's a part where I'm like, on a good day, we can get ice cream. And she's like, me come, me come. And then, you know, she's absorbing it already. And it's so special to me that, you know, thinking about other people reading that book. And so I can only imagine having a publishing company that has so many different diverse topics. And it, it like that mission must feel so big, but so like close to home as well. You know, it does. And um, when things happen out in the world where we have these riots and all of these, you know, a war happening and it feels really big, but then I break it down and I think we are doing something so small, you know, by getting books into the world, but they can have a large impact. Forever. Um, yeah, they really can. Because I think focusing on, um, I mean, everybody has to do their part. And our part is focusing on the next generation. So raising these children who are accepting of others and who have empathy for others. And, um, you know, especially like breaking down the stigma of mental health and that, that there's no shame behind mental illness and suicide. And, oh, there's just so many topics that I think our books are able to provide children with tools, those social tools that they can use in all these different areas in their life. It's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. You hear so many, like I I listen to a lot of audiobooks and so many times I hear, you know, when I was younger, I didn't understand and I didn't this and like my family was dealing with whatever it was and I didn't understand. So it's so cool that you're providing resources into the world for kids to get it. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I do love my job. I mean, (laughs) There are days, you know, when I have to look at numbers and I'm like, oh, I don't like this part of the job. Um, I'm more of the creative side of things. So I totally get that. I totally get that. So do you consider, I know we talked about this a little bit before recording, but do you consider yourself sick and successful? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, The sick part is really interesting because there's always something with me. I eat healthy. I live a healthy lifestyle, but I have had some I have had some situations where I just, it's brought me down. For example, would you like some examples? Sure. Yes, please. (laughs) For example, I recently um, was so excited to go on a date with my husband. We have three children and I had a really cute outfit on. We were going on a double date and my shoes were cute, but they were not high heels. I'd like to, you know, say they were flats. 
And we were walking out the door and I was walking on flat cement and I fell. I had a bottle of wine in my hand. I did not break the bottle of wine. Wow. I fell and I was like, oh my gosh, I really hurt myself. But we still went out to dinner. I was like, my foot hurts. Get me a different pair of shoes. My foot really hurts. We still went out to dinner. The next day, my foot was swollen. I broke four bones in my foot. I have been in a boot for seven weeks. I couldn't drive for seven weeks. I just got out of the boot. I still have one bone broken. It's been nine weeks now. And these things just tend to happen to me. And I don't spend a lot of time in self-pity. I just kind of like get myself back up again. When I was 40, I'm now 40. I don't know how old I am. I, I do I'm the 44. same thing. I totally I really. I think I'm 44. 44. Yes. And um, when I was 40, I had a complete hysterectomy because my parts were falling out. So I'll just leave it at that. You're having three children, things were falling out. So they took everything. And that was really hard. That was hard to recover from physically. And it was hard mentally because I got put into menopause immediately. And I tried navigating the mental aspect of that. I tried navigating it with things like exercise, meditation, yoga. I went to the doctor and I just I was so sad. I said, I just don't feel like myself. I feel very irritated with my children and my family. And that's not who I am. And this doctor said, well, have you heard of hug therapy? And I said, come again. She's like long, deep hugs. I'm like, I am beyond needing a hug. Like I need more help than a hug. And she said, well, for some women going through menopause can take seven to nine years. I broke down crying. I'm like, (sighs) I can't feel this way for seven to nine years. So I actually went on a medication that helps with hot flashes and mood. It's called Effexor. So I've been on that for a couple of years and I feel so much better. But yeah, so I just, I've had things that have happened to me that, you know, knock me down and I just keep going. And that's one that I feel very passionate about sharing with women. And so I thank you for letting me share it on your podcast because no one should accept that you're going to feel irritable and moody for seven to nine years with your precious family. Like you can get help and it doesn't have to be a hug. It can be more (laughs) than a hug. It's so, it's so true. And why this podcast is so important to me is because I didn't know your story prior to inviting you to be on, but it seems like every single person I speak to either is sick and successful or someone close to them is. And especially as women in business, it's so important that we talk about those struggles and we talk about things that other people don't usually talk about, like going through menopause at 40 because of, uh, you know, circumstances. So thank you for sharing and for being so vulnerable. Yeah, absolutely. I have a, I have a blog post that goes into detail. So you can always link to that blog. Yes. Yes, A lot of people have have said, thank you so much for sharing this. I, I, you know, something similar is happening to me because people don't talk about their female parts falling out. Nope. (laughs) We definitely haven't had an episode talking about that. So (laughs) that's so cool. Exactly. Especially after three kids. And yeah. So since from when that happened to now, is there, do you find that it still affects you with the new medication or did it affect work back then? You know, I put a couple things into place that have been very helpful. 
so does is medicine a hundred percent cure? No, right? Like for mental health, there's other things that I've had to do to really help me feel like me again. And one of those is on Mondays and Fridays, I don't schedule any calls. So Mondays and Fridays I work, but it looks different. So I typically in exercise clothes, I typically have no makeup on. I just give myself those two days to kind of ease more ease into the work load and to kind of ease into the week and to kind of wind up the week. And for anxiety purposes, that has done wonders for me. Because if on a Wednesday, I'm feeling like, oh my gosh, I have so much to do. And I feel very overwhelmed. There's Friday to look forward to. I mean, I, you know, I might go get a pedicure on a Friday in the middle of the afternoon and bring my computer with me and still do work. But I'm allow, I allow myself that space to do some self-care. I, you know, I sit on the couch on Fridays when I work with the dogs. Like it just, it looks different and it's really helped me a lot. It's, it's interesting how a lot of entrepreneurs I speak to on this podcast have a similar outline, usually always Fridays and sometimes Mondays. I'm, I'm a huge, no meetings on Fridays. Like, nope, no matter what, nope. Uh uh-uh. uh. This Friday, I'm going to the spa with my girlfriends. And like, you have to, you have to, or especially as a mom and an entrepreneur, if you don't do that, when are we going to have time for ourselves? And like the sitting on the couch in pajamas or in athletic clothes, you know, having the TV on or whatever while you're working is such a different feeling than sitting behind a desk in Zoom calls with your makeup on. And like, it, it really does like we need to unwind. And if we're, if we have a family and kids that unwinding at midnight, isn't very healthy for, <laughs> right. I mean, you know what, you bring up a really good point because we have, our oldest is 13 and she, uh, they go to bed, our, our children, are ages eight, 11 and 13, and they go to bed at eight 39 and nine 30. Now, 9.30, that 13-year-old is not going to bed. She's going to her room, but she comes down, she goes back up, she comes down. And I feel like I'm not unwinding till like 10, 10.30 now. And that's when I want to go to bed. So yes, I exactly. love that you just brought that point up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're potty training and she's in the moment where she's like pee, poo, pee, poo, like over and over and over. So her bedtime seven, she goes to bed like 9.30. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and And then I find myself like doing a little bit of work sometimes, laying in bed, scrolling TikTok, whatever it is. I look over, it's midnight. I'm like, I usually go to bed at like nine. What is happening? What is happening? I know. I know. So yeah, I think it's important to give yourself that space. And so I definitely, um, and then the pandemic too, the pandemic has really allowed me to slow down and I no longer accept, let's see, how do I say this? I no longer do things out of obligation. You know, I was strapped with the PTA. Like I was saying yes to everything. And I no longer do that. Now I'm doing things that bring me joy and that I want to do. And I, I mean, I guess sometimes there are family things that I do out of obligation, but it's seldom, you know, we're just, and we are very close with family. Um, we like to do Sunday, Sunday, fun day dinners and things like that. But I don't know. I just, I'm really cautious with our time and I'm protective of our family's time. Yeah. Do you feel like what you went through when you were 40 impacted that as well? Or was it mostly the pandemic? I think there was, it was a combination because when I, when I was in the hospital with the, um, with the hysterectomy day two of being in the hospital, a local weather person who I had known um, had committed suicide and she was a young mother. And my mom didn't know her other than watching her on television. And my mom was like 
so beside herself that this person was gone. But I had known this woman. She'd interviewed me several times in my home with my kids. Mm. And that really, she was young and that hit home. And then during the pandemic, we lost a family member to suicide. And so, you know, it's been a combination of being sick. It's been a combination of having people around me lose their battle to mental illness that I was like, this life is too precious to say yes to things that you don't care about. I mean, we could be gone tomorrow. So yeah, it was a combination of all those things. And I think with having kids too, you realize it a little, like when something like that happens, you're like, dang, you know, why bring them to, why bring them to something none of us want to go to, or why do something none of us want to do when I could spend precious moments with them? Yeah. Yeah. I don't have older children, but I'm, I'm sure that you don't get as much time with them. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause they're starting to get busy now. And that's another yeah. thing. Like we limit, like, you know, no, you're not going to do travel sports because that's not what we want to spend our weekends doing. We're not driving eight hours away to do an activity. Like, yeah. So we definitely limit things around here. Yeah. I totally relate. I'm like, I don't, I, ha- I see two year olds around me in like every single sport and activity. And I'm like, Mm, she's potty trained. I think that's good enough. That was a yes! sport of its own. Totally. It is a sport of its own. Oh my goodness. Run to the back and run back out. Right? Exactly. <laughs> I love it. So changing topics a little bit, talking about authors, what is something you look for when you're bringing on a new author or when someone applies? What is that? I know it is that the book is realistic, but what yes. else? Yeah, that's a really great question. And, you know, we operate our business model as a traditional model, which means authors come to us and they don't have to pay any money. Um, you know, if you're paying for your project or your, you know, if you and your publisher are paying to produce the book, it's called a hybrid model. But ours is a tr- traditional model where they come to us, we pay for everything, they get a certain percentage. Um, so I always like to say that up front. So what we're looking for is we don't necessarily need someone who has published a book before. We're, we found a lot of great stories, first time authors. However, I think it's important as a first-time author or as someone who wants to publish a book to have a platform, some sort of platform that they're creating. And people say, wait, wouldn't you start the platform once you become an author? And publishers now are saying, no, we want to see that you are sharing your journey with other people, whether it be your journey in writing or something else, but having a platform where you're getting to know your community, you're establishing relationships with these readers. It doesn't have to be a huge Instagram following, um, you know, but to have a community that they are sharing their journey with and that they are, um, you know, building a relationship with. It's so important. And so is that one of the main things you're looking for is that they've already started, you know, some kind of platform, some kind of community? Is there anything else in the story or in the... No, I mean, we want a quality picture book. Absolutely. That's number one. But number two would be that they are establishing themselves in the writing community or in, you know, the social media space. But definitely a good picture book. And it doesn't have to be perfect because we have a team of editors. So once we take that book on, we go through editing on our side with that person who we've selected. So do we want a polished picture book? Yes, but we can definitely take time finishing and solidifying the story with that author. That's so cool. So for someone who's listening and maybe is sick and successful and wants to write a book, what would you recommend how they start? Oh, that's a great idea. That's a great question. They need to start by just doing it, right? Like get the story, stop talking about it, stop trying to make it be perfect. You know, if you're looking for a picture book, if you want to write a picture book, SCVWI, Society of Children's Books, Writers and Illustrators, 
is a really great organization to join because then you can find other people who can critique your work and give you feedback. You can find some professional editors there. So once the book is written, you can have it go through some professional editing. So being part of that community is, so you write the book and then I, I would recommend that you become part of the writing community. Um, that can be through that organization or it can be locally. You might have um, like a local group of writers that get together um, and joining something local. And then starting the work and putting the book out there and finding the, the just right publisher. So there's a great book called, um, it comes out every year. So right now it'd be the 2022, I will send you the link. Yes, but we'll put it in the show like notes. children's writers and illustrators, but it's a book that you can get on Amazon or at your local library. And it, it has a list of publishers in that book. So you can go through and see what is this person looking for? Because you wouldn't want to send out your book to every publisher in the country because that would be a lot of wasted time knowing that someone like Cardinal Gold Press is only looking for realistic fiction if you have a sci-fi book or a graphic right. novel. Right. And so is it when someone applies to Cardinal World Plus, do they have to be in, because we have listeners all over the place, do they have yeah. to be in the States or can they be from all over the world? All over the world. Yeah, we have a Canadian writer. We do. Amazing. And uh, a few of our illustrators have been international as well. So um, yeah, no. They do and is that have... how all publishers are? I don't know the answer I to guess. that question. <laughs> That's a good question. I do not know the answer to it though. I don't think so. No. Um, I will tell you that different publishers have different submission guidelines. So definitely, um, you know, in the steps that I've been telling you, one, two, three, I guess number four would be check out the submission guidelines before you submit and just make sure you've got everything in order. For example, we only accept manuscripts certain times of the year. We have a small team and we try to keep our team focused. So we read manuscripts in September, October, November, and January. So there's four months a year that we read and select our books. And you mentioned uh, hiring an editor. So is that something, if someone writes a book, do you recommend they hire an editor, editor before submitting to a publisher? Absolutely. I mean, if you're in a critique group and those people are seasoned writers, I think that would be just fine. But if you don't have a critique group, I would hire an editor. I think for a picture book manuscript, it'd probably be a hundred to $200 to get it looked at. And that, that kind of shows that, you know, you've, you've gone through the, the process. Awesome. Yeah. Submit. That makes sense. I love that. Absolutely. That's awesome. Is there like a secret sauce that people forget to do when submitting or something that you recommend when writing? Oh, good questions today, Thank Anna. Yeah. <laughs> um, so here's the deal. Um, you submit a query letter, which is considered a cover letter. It just has a fancy name. And so we read the cover letter first. And if we don't like what we see in the cover letter, we never, we never even look at the manuscript. So for example, if they say, if they tell us that they've written a graphic novel, we're never even going to open up the manuscript because it doesn't fit our bill. But Yes. So your cover letter is a really great opportunity. That's prime real estate for you to sell yourself. Um, so, and there is, you can Google it, but there's a certain structure, but it's usually the first pair. I, I don't know off the top of my head, but That's for example, okay. like the first paragraph might be about the book. So you're going to hook the person reading, like what is the book about? And then the next paragraph, I think it's about you. So you're really trying to sell yourself as a writer. And if you haven't published a book, why would you be such a good fit for that company? So yeah. take your time and know that that query letter is really important to then get these editors to open up the manuscript and say, okay, I want to take a look and see what they've got. 
And it sounds like you should edit it for every publisher that you're submitting to specifically to them. It, you might want, you might want to change it. Yep. Absolutely. And if you, for example, that book will tell you who the submissions or the acquisition editor is for that current year. So you want to address it to that person if possible. Oh, that's awesome. Good tips. I love this. Getting Super the stuff. inside scoop. <laughs> <laughs> so good. So good. Is there anything else that you'd like to share with our audience or anything you want to mention that has kind of come up? Yeah, I think the whole concept of the sick and successful, I think it's important to ask for help. I, you know, if you need it, um, know that being an entrepreneur and running a business and being sick, it's all part of life and it's okay to ask for help if you need it for sure. I've had times where I don't want to tell my team that I'm going back into surgery, that I have another issue. Like, I think I kept it from them that I, that I broke my foot for a couple of weeks because I'm just like, oh my gosh, there's something always happening to me. But asking for help is important. So, so true. And I think as employers, that's important to realize too. And, and people who have small businesses or big businesses that the same thing might be happening to your employees. And it's so important that we're flexible, even yes. if that employee is constantly sick or something's happening, you know, obviously work is important. Business is important, but being flexible in, in our approach. I think is really going to change. Thank goodness for <laughs> the pandemic, knock on wood, like not knock on wood. Thank goodness for the pandemic, kind of, <laughs> because yeah. it's changed. It's changed the atmosphere of work and it's changed how flexible a lot of employers are. But as small business owners, I think it's important that especially ones who are sick and successful, that we kind of shout that and, and exemplify it in our businesses. Mind. That is awesome. Yes. I second that. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much for being on today. I really appreciate it and loved connecting. You're welcome. You're welcome. This is a lot of fun. Thank you. Thank you. Remember, dream big. It's possible for you. And your next version of success is around the corner. Mwah. 